Hi, Creepers. This is Unexplained Oregon, a podcast with two best friends talking about all things creepy, the unexplained, and the missing in the Pacific Northwest. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unexplained Oregon. You can also email us at unexplainedoregon at gmail.com. We love our listeners' suggestions, and we love hearing from you. That reminds me, if you're a friend of the podcast and you want more people to find out about us, can you take a minute to go on Apple Podcast and give us a good rating? We appreciate that. Kim and I talk about real-life intense subjects on this podcast that could be disturbing to some listeners. We also use bad language. As always, be mindful and take care of yourselves. And here we go. Today we want to start by introducing uh, Angie and thanking her so much for being so honest and brave with her story. Uh, This is a crazy story and uh, Angie really is the main subject of our story today. Uh, After we had met with her, I think we had over three hours of footage, right Christine? That's right. It was a crazy conversation, and we taped this in not our normal, conventional way. We weren't in a soundproof room or anything, and there (laughs) (laughs) there were were several other people in the room, and we were eating snacks, and uh, so you're going to hear little clips uh, from our interview from Angie today, and some of that audio might be a little bit different than what you're normally listening to from us. Uh, It had been years since I had seen Angie, so it was really good to sit and meet with her. Uh, We were able to meet her very intuitive daughter, Maddie, who joined Mm -hmm. us for the conversation, and Angie's mom, Patty. And uh, it surprised me because Maddie had actually heard of Unexplained Oregon before like before meeting with us. So that was so exciting. So when she met with us, she was like, I've listened to you guys before. Oh my gosh. Right. We didn't, wow. We didn't even know that, that she was a listener and a friend of the podcast and had left a review for us. And it was so fun to find out ironically that she had already been enjoying the podcast before she knew the connection and that we knew her mom. Right. Yeah. It was so cool. Uh, really fun and so yeah Angie I've I is an Angie's family uh, I grew up with Angie's older sister basically so she's an old family friend and I hadn't seen her for years like I said so it was really good to see her Um, and just a little backstory here on Angie she grew up in a loving Mormon household she was one of eight children She's very close to our siblings, and so throughout this story, you're going to hear us referencing different people, um, and mostly her family, uh, a very tight-knit family, and it, it was just really fun, you know, to hear her connection with her sisters and stuff through some of these stories. Uh, Angie's always been affected by energy around her, so from starting from, I guess, birth, uh, she was able to pick up on energy around her and it really affected her. Um, she shared with us that she had a reoccurring dream, uh, of, well, what we later identify as the hat man in our story. And we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that. She also opened up with us about some experiences she had with, uh, using a Ouija board and some spirits. We're going to touch base on that. So like I said, she's always been able to pick up on energy. And I think uh, she, you know, by playing with a Ouija board and, and kind of experience, experimenting with that, right? Um, it was a lot. And she shared with us that at some point she learned to kind of numb 
what was happening around her through drug use uh, because she just needed it. It was intense. Uh, so in a way, she was kind of turning off this power for many years. So our story really today begins with Angie. She's a grown woman. She has three children. And most importantly, she's now sober. Mm-hmm. And uh, this really is, it's a, it's a creepy ghost story. But it also, what I love about it, it's a really inspirational story of how Angie gained her power back really through the core belief of love and light and really basically perseverance after being terrorized for over 10 years. I mean, and that sounds so dramatic, but really you and I left uh, talking with her going, that could have been a movie like it. Absolutely. There, there is a beginning, a middle and an end to this that plays out like TV shows we've watched, like movies that you would see. Uh, we couldn't have asked for a better story to cover. And, and a little bit of how um, how I know the family as well, like, and why why we decided to cover this case was because this infamous coast trip that we took with our friends right that we've talked about in the past a couple episodes ago where we picked up our evp yes well the connection with angie is is this connection we've had right with her sister that was at the beach with us and so we've all i became friends with y'all in middle school and so it's been really fun to watch you know, that progression with, with this family, but to also know that you had been longtime friends with this family and all of your memories and memories of, of Angie and, and this family, you have a lot of knowledge about this family's background, Kim, in a way that I don't. I just picked up later from middle school on. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely loved spending time at their house when I was little because there was always something going on all the kids running around we were always babysitting we babysat Angie quite a bit and she was just this strong spirited little ginger that always gave us a hard time and I I just I think about that after she shared with us you know this energy that she was feeling around her and it totally makes sense because she really had this like strong spirit around her at a young age I remember that but it had been years I think the last time I saw her was at our friend's wedding and we all got married in our early 20s. So it had been, it had been a it's long It's been a time. few years. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to say how long, but it's yeah. been a few years. Long time. Now, this story has so many creepy elements to it. Uh, again, it just plays out like a TV show or a movie. And we're just so excited to share this this interview that we captured with Angie. So we're going to start, uh, you were going to start and talk a little bit about the property itself, because that's really is our focus for the story is this home that Angie was in for 10 years, right? Right. So uh, the location of this house is, is on Perrydale. I think it's Perrydale Avenue. Uh, and the family has history uh, on this street. It's relevant. Uh, The street has meaning to the family uh, prior to them obtaining the home that that we'll focus on for this episode. So actually, uh, Angie's mother, Patty, shared that, you know, it's a dead end road. Uh, I believe she said that a family member, uh, so it would be Angie's aunt, I believe, owned a house also or still does on Perrydale. Uh, and so there was already kind of a connection prior to Angie's uh, dad obtaining this house that they purchased. Uh, and when they purchased the home, it was in disarray. There was a hoarder who had been living in there. Uh, or what they would describe as sort of hoarding tendencies. So the house itself, I believe, wasn't even being lived in at the time. It was more of like a 
a storage or, you know, where a lot of things were being kept by this, the owner. Uh, and maybe, I believe the owner had just been living in the studio. Mm. And so when they purchased the home, uh, you know, there was a lot to do to kind of get it back up to standard or, you know, just some sort of livable space. I don't know how many things were actually still left in the home, but I think there was quite a bit left on the property, which we'll talk about more. There were a lot of overgrown areas with different things <laughs> hidden in them. Yes, she ref- she references one of the areas as Grandpa's junkyard. Like, so there was a point in the yard where it sounded like there was just a lot of stuff left. Yeah. So the house was built in 1940. It's on about an acre of property. And uh, there was, like we said, a lot of blackberry bushes overgrown and a lot of trash. And I just wanted to to point out that, you know, I imagine that with someone living there that's kind of struggling with hoarding or hoarding tendencies or issues, there there's probably something going on in terms of some mental health issues. I'm, I'm making a, a broad general statement here. Uh and I'm wondering even just about the energy in that space and what was happening there, or what had been happening there. So prior to them even purchasing the home and then actually purchasing it and obtaining it, what were they getting themselves into? You know, what was already kind of there? Not to mention, you know, what what happened on the land? I mean, we've talked about this before, like having, if we could be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. of you know, homes or even just what happened in terms of the indigenous population prior to, you know, us colonizing or building or taking over this land. So we want to mention that that we believe that there is also sort of a indigenous theme happening here as well, which we'll talk about uh, later. And then I think we, Kim, you looked up or did you look up like the tribes that were actually the the indigenous tribes that were actually located in this area? I did. I typed in the number, the address to that phone number you can call, and it came back with it actually had like five different tribes. It didn't give me a specific tribe for this street, so it just kind of listed. Uh, I think it had different ones from the area you know so uh okay definitely something that we think is important with this case um it's going to come into play later angie shared that the property was lined with cedar trees and that definitely comes Mm -hmm. into play later when she's trying to cleanse the property so there's a lot there's a lot to unpack here definitely absolutely it's a three-bedroom one-bath home There's also like a studio on the property. And while we were recording this, we were actually pulling up photos of the property so that we could kind of look at them while we were talking with Angie and the family. So that was kind of interesting. There's also photos uh, that have been taken while Angie lived there of some disturbing things, which we'll talk about later. But even as we looked at those photos to just kind of get a feel of this property, it was, there's just something about it. And I, I think when we first heard about this story, when we were at the coast with Angie's sister, our good friend, um, I had a feeling about it. Didn't you? Like, yeah. I just felt like there was something calling us to do this episode. Just even the name Perry Dale, it just felt alluring. Mm-hmm. Like we were meant to talk about this. Definitely. And I think, I don't know how long it had been uh, since Angie had actually like sat down and told someone the whole story. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting to find out. Or if she she ever had. Exactly. So from beginning to end. I felt like, right. I felt like it was very, I mean, at times it got pretty emotional because of all the stuff she went through, Mm -hmm. but it was therapeutic maybe hopefully for her to just get it out uh, to two people that were open to hearing it because 
you really do have to have an open mind when you hear her story. You know, you um, absolutely it's, this, it's not going to resonate with you if you have a closed mind. And mm-hmm. for her to be so honest and just forthright with it and kind of like take it or leave it, I, I definitely felt like we were meant to sit and talk with her about it when we were with her. Absolutely. So I want to just say this one um, one thing as we're starting out with the story here, Angie's story, is that, you know, once they obtained the home, there was different... Um, stages of uh like remodeling and cleaning and organizing and at different times people were living in different parts of the house uh sometimes in the studio other people were sometimes renting other family members were sometimes renting the studio out but the master bedroom seems to be kind of the hot spot in this house and so Uh, Again, just kind of putting it into perspective that this home uh, definitely has had some history prior to them even buying it. There's no doubt about it. And the street itself was historical and drew them to this. I'm sure it was all meant to be. So weird. Yeah, Yeah. I think uh, when we get to the end, which will be in the next episode, uh, you kind of do feel like it was meant to be just Mm -hmm. the way that she left the property for sure. One of the first uh, memories that we asked Angie to talk about, um, she, she shared with us, uh, she was sitting outside at night with her daughter. So her daughter was witness to this event too. And, uh, it's really creepy. So we're going to play you a little clip from that. And she says, yeah, I see that. And from what I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, I was just like, thank God we don't have to go in there tonight. Because like I knew that there was nobody in there and I knew that it wasn't a, a human. Like the minute she I was like, oh boy. And that, this was at the beginning of our conversation. And it like the chills just went down. Just the way she described it. And I was really glad that she had her daughter there with her, right, during this. Because it's kind of one of those things where you're looking and you see a shadow and you start to question, am I seeing that? You know, what? what is, and then so to have her daughter there with her, I think right. it, was, it was, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that was about three months into them, you know, living in the home. And I think at this point, they were in the studio. So when she says, I'm so glad we don't have to go back in there, uh, you know, that was because they weren't actually living in there at that point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that had to have been pretty disturbing to, you know, to just witness. And, and one of the photos, you know, that we looked at, we could see the window, you know, Angie pointed out, this is the window that, that we saw him in or that we saw the, the figure. It was just creepy. It, yeah. A definite shadow figure, uh, standing there. I mean, it was definitely, they both saw it. So I, I don't know, Christine, what would you do <laughs> if you were sitting there and you saw, would you go, put your boots straps on and go in and do some ghost investigations or like, I would like to think that I would, but I don't, I don't know. I would like to believe I would also, uh, I probably, you know, in retrospect, if you had your phone and were able to take a picture or photo, but I mean, you know, I think for her, this is the beginning of her, um, sort of accessing and feeling, uh, things and allowing yes. herself to feel things. Uh, she's had at this point significant time, clean time. So this isn't, you know, this isn't like she's struggling with anything like that, but still she's learning how to experience these things. And the, it's just, just starting to happen at this point. Yeah. Really, really. And I want to believe I would go in there and, <laughs> yeah, and do some investigation, but probably not i'd probably be like running down the street screaming. <laughs> exactly 
for sure. <laughs> I think what's uh, good is that other people start to experience these, these things as well, right? Like it, it isn't just Angie, like experiencing these things and feeling what's going on in this home. It's other people coming in to visit for the holidays uh, and they explain how they felt things in the home and even heard stuff going on with the Christmas tree in the middle of the night, right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, this part was so creepy. The home had a history of people I knew who had lived there before the hoarders. Gotcha. And so this was really kind of a special home on this street because my sister, my older sister, had lived at the end of the street. That's where I met the kids' dad. But that night, Raquel and I were in his master bedroom. That's very small. And I'm like, there's something wrong in here. There's just an energy in here that's really uncomfortable, and I don't like it, and I don't want to be in here. But nevertheless, we slept in there all night. So that was Patty, um, Angie's mom, who was part of this interview as well. I don't know. I would have trusted her. What would you have done if if you were in that master bedroom and and your mom, who's like intuitive and and can sense things, says there's something going on here. There's some bad energy. What would you do, Kim? I wouldn't have slept in the bedroom with her. <laughs> I would have gotten the hell out. But it, you know, keep in mind though that the uh, they are very intuitive, and so maybe some of these things happening, you know, that would happen would scare the crap out of you and I. But uh, because Angie's very intuitive and and her mom as well, you know, and and her siblings, I think maybe um, they weren't as scared, really. Mm -hmm. Being frightened wasn't their initial reaction here, which was interesting to me. Because that kind of goes into Angie had had experiences before this with ghosts, right? She shared that she... Uh, had an experience with an Ouija board with her sister. And that whole conversation was very interesting, right? Absolutely. To backtrack a little bit, what Angie had shared was that when she was around 15 years old in uh, in a home here in Medford, she was experimenting with a Ouija board with one of her siblings. And um, they witnessed some pretty significant uh, paranormal events That included a little boy and a little girl, um, children ghosts, child ghosts. And these ghosts became attached to Angie and had from that point, so age 15 to where she is, you know, when she moved into this house, these little ghost children were attached to her. And I know I'm saying all this like, it's just like no big deal, right? Like just to have these little ghost yeah. children attached to you. Like, what does that mean exactly? She wasn't, she never felt threatened. There wasn't anything about right. this that was like a negative thing for her or that she didn't, she didn't experience it that way. She would hear their footsteps. That's how she knew that they were there. And that's what, what is making this part of the story so creepy is that, you know, it's Christmas time. They newly moved into this home uh, families visiting, so Patty and another sibling. Patty experiences this negative energy in the master bedroom, but in the middle of the night also describes something as, as you know, experiencing these footsteps running down the hallway uh, and almost sounding as though they are headed straight for the Christmas tree and going under the Christmas tree, like looking for gifts or like you would experience your kids kind of the joy of Christmas running over to the tree, looking under the tree, right? Yeah. So this is what Patty shares with Angie the next morning and says, this is what happened. Uh, Angie says, well, I, you know, there's nothing under the tree. My kids would never yeah. do that. Like that's how they really figured out that this was, You know, these were children's footsteps running through the house, which Angie continues to experience, right? She describes that these footsteps of these children keep running through the house. And when we asked her, 
and learned about this attachment, right, to these other children that happened through the Ouija board starting at age 15, we said, how, how do you know it wasn't those children, right. right, this little boy and girl? This is the creepiest part. So Angie says, the little boy and the little girl that have been with me since I was 15 have shoes on. And you can hear their shoes. You can tell the difference. And they're like patent leather shoes that kind of go with that era of dress that these little children were in. She said the footsteps that they started experiencing in the house around Christmas time, those are different. Those children do not have shoes on. I know. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the best part. Super creepy. (laughs) Really creepy. Like and you can't make this shit up. You can't make this shit up, you know? I had a little boy and a little girl that followed me to every house that I lived in. They were just there. They played. I could hear them. It was a non-issue. Like, they attached themselves, and they didn't break things, and they weren't scaring people. I, I totally don't think she's making it up. She explained uh, hearing these footsteps throughout when her children like when she had little small littles running around Mm -hmm. and she could she could distinguish the footsteps from her children just based on like the energy of the footstep and the sound of it you can tell who that is so definitely don't think this was made up no and and you know like I bet you can tell exactly who's walking around you know, in your house, <laughs> yes. like if you're in your room working most of your day, like you do, I bet, you know, all the noises going on in your house. Like as moms, we are so like receptive. We can be doing something and know everything going on around us. And for Angie, who is, you know, intuitive and has, a you know, this gift and a heightened sense of awareness. I mean, she is distinguishing between the the attached children that she has experienced her own children and now these new footsteps right right with and different family members are like experiencing this too so absolutely really (laughs) she starts i know she starts to really uh seek help through meditation and through her online support groups right um her friends around her and she really tries to meditate and clear this energy in the home Mm -hmm. Uh, but unfortunately that doesn't work as well as she wants it to Mm -hmm. on night one I'm in the living room and I sit down to light my candle that I've had these candles I didn't go buy these candles I already had them rounded them up from I three of them from my hot tub area And one at a time, first night, lit the first candle, but I couldn't get the candle to light in the house. And it was just weird and like, what the hell is going on? Like, I light these candles all the time. And it took a little bit, and I finally got it to light. And I sat down, and I said the prayer out loud like I was supposed to, and the candle kind of flickered, and whatever, it's an old drafty house. And then I blew the candle out and went about the night. The next night, um, I grabbed the second candle, I had the same issue with getting it to light, and it was harder. I just was like, what the hell? Um, I couldn't get the third candle to light at all, so I went out on the front porch thinking, I don't even know what, and I surrounded it with some cardboard. I put cardboard around it, and it was really hard to get lit, but I got it to light, and I had to keep lighting it that, keep lighting that one, and I said my prayer, and that was that. You know, trying to cleanse a property through meditation, through positive energy, saging the home, right? You know, all these avenues that we hear can help, uh, and it's really not working. She starts to hear, you know, she now tells us about these whisper conversations Mm. going on, which crazy right right I think pretty early on one of her experiences with the whispers happened in the backyard so she had gone out to get some firewood and it was dark and like we said this is on like an acre of property and a lot of it's overgrown and she describes this experience of she needed to get the firewood it was cold like so you know that was the motivation and the drive And she begins to experience just these, you know, disembodied whispers coming from 
from somewhere, right? And it's it's obviously pretty disturbing. So yes, she does at one point, um, she describes a point where she goes out with her dog and you have the property and then kind of like a fence, I think. And then that goes into the junkyard, maybe. I hope I'm explaining mm-hmm. that right. And the dog wouldn't go past a certain spot i mean we've all seen that in movies right where the animal picks it up but she's standing out there and she also shares that she's scared of the dark i totally get that i am scared of the dark as well so she's standing out there her dog won't go past a certain spot which Mm -hmm. is strange for him and she starts hearing these whispers around her um and this is outside of the home and I think it was so funny because at one point in the end, we were like, what did you do? And she's like, I started singing the My Little Pony song really loud. <laughs> or it's like either the yeah. Care Bear song or the My Little Pony song. I love it. So, um, you know, she's still through being scared shitless, trying to bring in some positive energy here. But this is really all around her. Right. And and she she has to get the firewood right like she knows she has to push through and she's trying to figure out like what is happening I'm sure it was quite like frightening here she is in the dark something she's uncomfortable with many of us are she's still acclimating to this property and this home and then her dog who is like a support you know our our animals are the ones that kind of provide that companionship or that sense of safety sometimes if your dog isn't willing to even go past a certain point you know and and she pushes through right but the whispers um kind of remain a theme throughout this experience for her as well yes stomping going on in the home as well more scary shadows uh she we have to talk about her uh seeing that figure she's sitting outside and i don't know if it was across the street it would it was outside but she sees this figure and how she explained it was this figure perched in the froggy position <laughs> kind of up i know and i'm like gargoyle was it like a gargoyle right. like i just pictured this and she said more of like it's it's sitting there in a frog position just like ready to jump off the thing so i'm sitting on the swing just smoking i have a bit of insomnia i'm always up late and from the corner of my eye i see something like hanging down almost upside down from the roof and i look over and it's a it's a figure but it jetted up really fast and i was like and across the street there's this big tree that's half dead and our mailboxes and i after i saw the shadow go up and i was like the hell and I look over and I see sitting on top of that like in a frog position and it's dark so all I see is the shadow just this black figure and my heart is going and and then I hear the whispers again. So not only uh, is Angie hearing things outside and seeing things outside but she is now um, you know aware that there are voices and whispers happening inside the home daily. You know she's now hearing these things in the home these conversations going on in the bathroom were very interesting the way she explained it it was like this muffled Mm -hmm. conversation where she couldn't hear she couldn't distinguish the actual conversation between whoever was talking with each other but she could hear like this muffled talking going on almost like a radio but when you, you know, the where the bathroom was backed up, there was no nothing on the other side. Mm-hmm. Of course, she investigated and tried to debunk, you know, these voices when they heard it. But her daughter even could hear the voices. And I think that was mostly at night. Right. In the bathroom, right? Right. So yeah. whenever things would be settled down, everyone's in bed, uh, you know, she if you go into the bathroom sure as shit you're gonna hear the the muffled whispers and voices of conversations going on uh the bathroom wall on the other side of the bathroom wall is is maddie's bedroom so 
I don't think either one of them realized that they were both experiencing those voices, but they actually both confirm that it was a nightly Mm -hmm. thing. I think throughout this time as well, Angie was experiencing at times, you know, as as the the noises or the level of stress around all of this would increase, you know, she would experience issues with sleep. Is that correct? I'm just like, and who, who she obviously, who isn't going to be having a hard time going to sleep? Are you kidding me? Like, especially when you have everybody's down for the night, it's kind of like a special time in the house. You know, if you're a mom, it's your time to... You finally have this moment to yourself, you know, and relax and, but she can't relax because she's now full on feeling this energy in this home. Mm -hmm. It's almost like terrorizing her. Absolutely. uh, You know, stomping to the point where she feels it in her chest. If she's sitting outside, she explains an incident where she's sitting outside and she can hear like this stomping To the point where she could feel it Mm -hmm. and then she'd go in and nothing would be in there. I mean. In addition to that, the whole time that they lived there from the beginning to the very end, there was walking on their roof and she describes it as a rat, you know, a rat on the roof. And, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever experienced any type of critters living in your spaces or getting into some of your wall um, rafters or anything. I mean, we've had multiple experiences because our home is older and there is a huge rat problem in this part of Medford or this part of town. Oh, yay. And so if you're... Um, openings anywhere like on your roof line or if there's any way that a critter can get in they will around here I mean we have raccoons we have rats we now have bear uh and one time in Michigan we actually had like a beehive in our house like we had to cut into the drywall I'm not saying that that she was having like an infestation of like actual animals we think that this thing that she was hearing on her roof every night was actually um attached to the the haunting like it was something that that was paired with like one of these things that was haunting her and so can you imagine like trying to lay in bed even and hearing something on your roof every night Hmm. I just recently watched Signs again with uh, that M. Night Shyamalan mm. movie. We we did like a marathon with uh, The Sixth Sense and then we watched Signs right afterwards. Two of the best movies out there, by the way, still, they still hold up. Uh, but yeah. the part where, I don't know if you remember this part, but it makes me think of what Angie experienced, but just like the very, in the very beginning, they hear something, um, Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix, uh, hear something outside and it's nighttime Mm -hmm. and Mel Gibson's like, it's the brothers from town. They're trying to mess with us. Right. They're trying to like scare us. And so Joaquin and Mel Gibson are like, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go out and mess, you know, we're going to get mad and start screaming and we got to cuss. And Mel Gibson, who was just like a priest previously, who is like no longer practicing is like, I don't cuss. And so Joaquin's like, whatever, just start yelling and act like you're angry. And so it's actually really funny and cute. But what happens is there's actually something fucking up on their roof. And this was, like, one of the scariest back then, like, 20 years ago or whatever, when this movie came out. I remember it was super freaky because they live out in the middle of nowhere in this old farmhouse with cornfields all around them and probably a scarecrow plugging our scarecrow the night the scarecrow walked. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to this episode (laughs) now. And they proceed to do, like, run around the whole house and Mel Gibson's yelling, I'm an arranged crazy person. And Joaquin Phoenix is like, <laughs> I'm going to fuck you up or whatever he's yelling. And they make their way around the whole house and they figure out that this thing had scaled up onto the roof. And I mean, we, we find out later what, what this thing actually is. The best part of the movie is it doesn't actually show you anything about what this thing is for quite a while. 
Um, Hopefully you all have seen this, but it makes me think of whatever this, you know, these, these haunting, you know, or entities were that they were coming at Angie and her family in multiple ways. Uh, And just for sure. I, yes, I think maybe they saw an avenue once, uh, once they, you know, felt it through her, I think mm-hmm. that maybe an avenue was opened up. Um, I do think it's interesting that the footsteps always happened at night. They seemed very deliberate on the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it would be like a very deliberate something running across the roof. Not like a little critter, like scurrying like here. We're talking about someone up on your roof and running across it, like God, deliberately. So freaky. And you're laying in bed listening. <laughs> To oh my it. gosh. So I definitely feel like at this point in the story, um, it's ramping up, mm-hmm. right? Through this through this meditation she's trying to do and, and her saging the home, plus she's experiencing all these things. Little do we know that Maddie, her daughter, is also working and doing things, right, in mm-hmm. the home. So there's a whole situation going on there with Maddie and we learn some things about a used tarot card deck (laughs) right right I was I was so like drawn in and like called by these cards and I was like these are like my cards and whatever but um I just I didn't understand like why of course enter in the tarot card deck so we already have you know this uh figure that they've seen at the window inside the house we have disembodied voices slash whispers we have the figure that that she's seen in the frog position i have that it was like upside down too like i I don't know so she's seeing things she's hearing things there's footsteps on the roof there's stomping um and at the same time her daughter is also practicing sort of, you know, the with these experiences and her intuition and her gifts, right? Mm-hmm. And and they're not really talking to each other as well about it, right? Like they're not coming together and saying, uh, you have this going on, I have this going on. Yes, we both are seeing, hearing the same things. What do we do? Instead... Um, as every teenager, yes, you know, does. Yeah, and she, <laughs> Maddie is sort of. Yeah, doing and she's her very intuitive. Thing. Like Angie shared that she always has been from a, a very young age. I think mm-hmm. Maddie even uh, described seeing the little boy and little girl in period clothing that had been attached to Angie, like when she was little. She remembers. So she's a very intuitive girl who is not scared of what's going on around her. So that in itself opens up a door when you don't have that fear, right? Right. Uh, And you're open. Uh, So she ends up buying a tarot card deck uh, and it ends and it was used, which we found out you should never, ever, ever buy a used tarot card deck. We had no idea. Note to self, do not buy used tarot deck. Right. And in theory, the reason why is because those cards, uh, those used cards were actually someone else's possession at one point in time. So really that original purchaser of the deck holds the power and the energy for that deck. So, uh, you know, if you're getting a used deck, there's a reason why why is this used deck available to you uh, and how has it ended up in your hands and only that what kind of energy is tied to this deck right? absolutely we find out it was witchy crazy energy tied to this specific deck right and maddie was so drawn to it because it was a mayan uh Chilton, Mayan Chilton tarot deck, which mm. supposedly okay. is super beautiful and maybe even like super, you know, um, sought after or more kind of a unique deck. You know, the reason why Maddie wanted them was because they look a certain way. They were pretty like 
appealing to her. Uh, and then I think Angie mm-hmm. at some point kind of describes how she's always felt like she is drawn to the Mayan um, culture and history. And so there's sort of this weird connection there. Yeah. Uh, and and so Maddie's kind of moving through her world and her experiences and is drawn to this tarot deck. Yeah. So there's a lot of turmoil surrounding these cards and they basically figure out that Maddie should not be possessing the cards. And so the cards end up with Angie in a jar full of salt because they're trying to like cleanse them and they end up on Angie's porch, right? Because keep in mind, we know these tarot decks hold horrible energy and some weird things are going on with the deck as far as like clicking noises and stuff happening with the deck. Uh, and so Angie doesn't want these in her house, right? She doesn't want the tarot card in her house, but she doesn't want her daughter possessing the cards. So she tries to cleanse them and uh, doesn't really know what to do with them at first, but kind of seeks some online help. And they t- and her friends tell her, you need to, you know, for now, put them in a jar full of salt. So they're sitting on her deck at Perrydale right. now in this jar. And they're taunting and her. it's just creepy. <laughs> yes, it's just creepy the way she explains it. Like that for days she would walk by this jar and almost, well, how she says it is the cards were taunting mm-hmm. me those cards taunted me on the front porch. They called me. I know you want to open me. Let me out. Open me. Open me. Um, I could see the allure to the cards, you know, uh, and the innocence or, you know, that Maddie kind of experienced around them. And then, you know, here's Angie probably understanding or having a little bit of better understanding around the intensity of of these cards and what they really mean and and the impact right i mean as they're like taunting her and there's ticking sounds happening and people you know some of her resources from other places and contacts that she has that she's trying to get support and understanding they even know right that these cards are um ticking they these people that she's talking to are sort of describing what they can sense is happening to her i mean that's the i know i can't even like fathom right like so the the cute part or the the funny part of this is that maddie is still i think drawn to these cards and still like finds them fascinating and isn't scared and it's like a very different experience between maddie and her mom angie right because we asked maddie like what where were you at and she was like i was pissed i wanted my tarot cards back (laughs) and she was kind of cute i'm like yeah but mama knows best especially in that situation for sure uh because then we kind of figure out you know that the the tarot deck brings in this other entity into the home and it really this is creepy but angie starts experiencing this in nightmares now right hmm yes yes nightmares so we are going to cover the nightmares in our next episode we're also going to talk more in depth about the property itself and kind of we have very interesting story from angie on what it took to cleanse the property and who she went to for that information and really we're gonna just tie it up with our next episode of how angie was able to leave this house and leave all these spirits behind really and not have them come with her Absolutely. I, I think, you know, we're breaking this up into two episodes because it's it's intense and, uh, you know, we found that this is a good place to kind of stop. But part two is even more crazy uh, and, you know, includes a little bit more about these entities. And again, like you said, 
um, some of these experiences that she continues to have are, are crazy and, and what, how she figures out how to help herself and help her family because her family's, you know, a couple of her children are impacted by this and her partner's impacted and she's impacted, you know, she's trying to function and trying to go to work and trying to be a mom and, and all this is happening and she's trying to come to terms with it and trying to figure out how to cope and who to get help from. And also I want to just point out that this is, you know, this is a family that grew up, you know, with a, a history of, of church life. Right. And, and so you don't ever fully get that part of you, um, extinguish like there's always if you've grown up in church it doesn't matter what religious affiliation that is always a part of you and so there's stigma there in terms of um you know even when she was growing up experiencing this thing these things or her family also experienced things in their family home mm-hmm so this wasn't something that you could talk about. This wasn't something that was okay. And so in the back of your mind, again, if you've grown up with any type of religious affiliation, there's sort of this, you know, belief that it's not okay, that these things aren't happening. And if they are, they're evil, or, you know, maybe they're just not even real, or maybe you should rely on God, or maybe mm-hmm. you're not doing something enough. That's why this is happening to you. So there's a lot of of that that she, you know, maybe is struggling with to sort of reconcile and navigate. I know just having sort of a a background myself and having grown up in a pretty religiously conservative household, uh, you know, my mom would not really um, talk about these things. Like this wasn't something that she wouldn't, I would always try to get her to tell me scary stories that she's experience but you know this isn't really real to her and even now you know since my dad recently passed away I asked my mom do have you seen him have you heard anything uh and I just asked her that the other day and she's funny because she'll give me a little bit of like (laughs) she'll play around with me a little bit but she certainly doesn't doesn't believe in this yeah keeping in mind that this is what this is what you know Angie was navigating a lot right reconciling her past trying to function currently like with what was happening and trying to keep everyone and herself safe so amazing so definitely tune in to our next episode because this uh, it ramps up and it gets scarier. There's more, As way if more it creepy. Could. I know. I mean, could you even imagine like the creepiness? There, there are some really creepy things we're going to talk about in our next episode. So I hope you enjoyed this today and had an open mind. And you'll tune in to hear the second half of Perrydale. Perrydale Avenue. That's right. I have no sanctuary anymore. I'm having nightmares at night when I leave this woman i mean i swear to god she's got to be a witch but she's just got long black hair she's over by the studio all the time i don't want to walk over there